has got to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. If we don't, we're not going to make it much longer. It, you know, the, the hope is not going to come through politicians. You know, those that we might so appreciate or in position may not always be in that position. And I can tell you, if, there's a, if the other side gets back in position, it's going to be H-E-double-L to pay. You know, I'm telling you, they're not going to sit back and let every, they're never going to let it happen again. This is an opportunity that the church has in America that God gave us. Divine reprieve, it's an opportunity to do the will of God. But uh, that's what I'm going to try to get into this morning, some of it. But we got to have a Holy Ghost encounter with God. You know, this, I'm going to try not to get ahead of myself. But we got to have God. So anyway, let me shift gears. Father, we pray for the anointing this morning. We ask you, God, open our hearts, open our eyes to your word. But God, we pray for the, for the Spirit of God to fall fresh upon us. Lord, we cannot in our flesh accomplish anything of eternal value. We don't want to do that. It never works. We ask you for the unction. We pray for the presence and the fire and the anointing of God. God, give us the unction so that we can function the way you've called us to. And Lord, we thank you. We believe you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember, Luke chapter 4, you don't have to turn there, but Jesus reading from the book Isaiah, he picks, he gets the book from the attendant and he says, it is written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel, the good news to the poor, heal the brokenhearted. And then he goes through the list and then at the end he says, and this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You remember that? Wouldn't it be amazing if today you went to church and you heard the scriptures and it was so that that day it was fulfilled what you just heard. I'm believing God for that today. Not only for here, but I'm believing it to happen all over our nation. Now, you know, throughout history, and uh, like today, the early church, if you read how the early church formed, they had to struggle with false doctrines, winds of the spirit, differing winds, differing spirits. You know, for example, there were a lot of isms in that day as there are in our day. Isms. One of the, one of the isms was called Gnosticism. How many of you ever heard of that? You know, there was Gnosticism and it basically was a, a counterfeit to the real gospel. And they had these schools, they called them Gnostic schools. And basically, I'm not going to go into big detail, but that Christ came to give certain ones a higher revelation or a higher special knowledge that, you know, just the regular folks couldn't get. And so the, the spiritual elite, they would receive this revelation, this uh, knowledge that only those who are more, you know, maybe in tune could receive. And I know there may be some truth in that, but Gnosticism was false. Listen, you can hear the Holy Spirit. You can receive the same revelation anybody. I mean... There's no, you can be as close to God as you want to be. A lot of people, they make excuses, it's because they don't want to be with Him. They don't want to spend time with Him. And so we've we got to make a choice. But there was all kinds of religious sects and religious opinions and religious philosophies. How many of you know there's a lot of that stuff going on today? 
in American charismatic churches, there are many strange and foreign doctrines. Now, how did they counter the false doctrine in that day? Well, there were two ways. First of all, they, they taught. They had the, the apostles. They had these, they called them uh, little assemblies. And they would meet in the mornings. And they would go maybe most of the day. But the apostles would teach the basics of the faith to counter the false gospel. They just teach. You got to teach. Jesus said, go ye therefore. You know, baptize. Teach them all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And so you got to teach. And that's true. But also, we got to introduce people to the teacher, which is greater than man. You know what I found out? I bet you you are probably like me. The greatest discipler in your life. I wasn't, nobody set me down and discipled me. I, now, there were a lot of people that poured into my life. A lot of people, obviously. And I tell you about that all the time because I'm very grateful for all those people. You know, Milton Green. I mean, that guy poured into my life. He, I don't know, I only met him a couple of times, but I would drive for hours just to hear him teach. And he would... He had these in-the-word seminars. Anybody remember Milton Green? Some of you do, but, but when he read the Scripture, those were the days, it's like fire would come out of the Scripture, and I'm sitting out in the congregation, and the fire would come like a ball and explode in my chest. I was just being overwhelmed by the Word. I just could not believe the Word of God was being exploded in my heart. So I'm so thankful for those kind of guys. But... The greatest discipler in my life was not Milton Green, James Robinson, Jack Taylor, all these guys. The greatest discipler was the Holy Spirit. I can tell you that without any, anything. It was because of the Holy Spirit teaching me. Because, you know, those guys only came around during a certain time in my life. The Holy Spirit's been with me all along. And he's seen the end from the beginning and he knew what to insert at different times in my life so that I would get it. So we need teaching. We got to do our part. I'm not saying we don't, we do not forsake our part. We must do what God, what the Lord said do. But we also have got to teach people to encounter the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. So just try to catch it all. Don't daydream today. Daydream when Rick is preaching next week, but not today. All right, don't, you know, you know just give it to him. No, no. But first of all, the Holy Spirit comes within you, right? You cannot call Him Lord. You cannot be saved but by the Holy Spirit. So He dwells within. But also the Holy Spirit will be with you, right? How many of you know that He's with you? I'm going to show you in the Scriptures. But then He does what? He comes upon you. That's what Jesus said in Luke. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And there are many scriptures that we're going to look at that confirm that. And we need all three. We especially, those who have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, and we know that He's with us, we need a fresh upon us in this hour. How many of you would agree? The church in America, we need the Holy Spirit to come fresh upon the church in this hour. And so that's what I want to talk about the teacher and things like that. But go with me in Luke chapter 14. Say, I'm with you. You better be. Luke chapter 14, verse 25. These things 
I've spoken to you while being present with you. So Jesus did his part. He spoke, he taught them. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, who is the helper? Also known as the comforter. How many of you need the comforter? How many of you need the helper? He's our helper. And we found it to be true. What? Okay, Luke chapter 14. No, John. Did I say Luke? Thank you for correcting me. I appreciate that. Now, that was not anointed. If you were anointed, you wouldn't make that mistake. No, I don't know about all that stuff. We're flesh and blood. You can feel like the most bumbling idiot and the anointing take over and people encounter God. And you're wondering, where'd you go, God? You ever been there too? I've been there too. I thought, God, this is the driest message. I should be in Sierra the desert right now preaching this message. And then people come up after and say, God spoke to me this morning. Jesus did something in me. I said, well, well, I'm in the desert up here. You had, it didn't make sense any to me. And that it's not supposed to make sense. All right, John 14, verse 25. Don't trust in your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him. That's not what I'm reading. These things I've spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will do what? He will teach you how much? No way, that can't be right. There's some things the Holy Spirit can't teach you, right? No, He can teach you all things. What about things maybe you've never thought you knew anything about? All things. He will teach you all things. I believe all things means all things. And bring to your remembrance how much? All things that I said to you. And the key is remembrance. You got to have something in your memory for him to bring back. You know, if you return to a place you once visited, you went back to somewhere you were once there, right? You know, you revisit, you return. Well, to remember, you got to have something in your memory. And so Jesus says, I'm going to bring to your memory all things that I said to you. That's why we want to be in the Word of God. That's why you want to read. You want to memorize. Uh, focus on the Word so that He can bring something to your memory. And then He said, bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And then He goes on, peace I'll give with you. And we'll read that later on. Now, the Holy Spirit will help you. He'll bring, He'll teach you all things. And He'll bring to your remembrance all things that I've told you. Now, I want to read to you this morning a prophetic word that that was sent to me this week. I don't even offhand remember who sent it to me. That's another thing about the people that God uses in your life. Most of the times you don't know who they are. You just know they came from God. So I know when I read this, I don't know who sent no sent, but I knew this was a word from God and it came from Mario Morello. I like Mario Morello because a lot of people don't like him. Because he's kind of that David Wilkerson, Leonard Ravenhill mold. You know, that preaches the whole counsel of God. You probably will never see Mario Morello on the Elijah list. Just gonna, he'll probably never show up there. There's some places you won't see him, you won't find him. Because he does include the judgments of God. I was thinking before I read this. I, now, I've been, I've been in Revelation. So I've already got a message. It's simmering. And so, but I'm going to... Bar from Rick. Rick wrote this article. I put it in the email this week. And he talks about 
you know that. In fact, let me just turn there. Turn with me, if you would, real quick. I want to show you this, and then I'm going to read this prophecy. Revelation. You're saying, well, where do you turn to? Revelation 14. Revelation chapter 14. He's talking in verse 6. Let me just read that. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven and having the everlasting gospel to preach. And Rick wrote an article on the, the everlasting gospel or the gospel of the kingdom. And he said, these things will precede the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom. Now, we know that's the last great message, right? That's going to be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end shall come. How many of you know that? Well, look, there are three things that are going to happen. First in verse 7, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give Him glory, for the hour of His judgment has come. And so the first thing that's going to happen is, you're going to start hearing about the judgments of God. The hour of His judgments. And the message will be to fear God. And in this hour, either people are going to fear what's coming on the earth, fear the devil, fear men, or they're going to have a holy fear of God, right? How many of you choose the fear of God? If you fear God, you won't fear any of the other stuff. So there's going to be judgment. And then, and worship Him who made heaven and earth and the sea and the springs of water. There's going to be worship like we've never known that we've been all waiting for. That will break out in the midst of God's people. And I don't even know if you'll need a worship team when this kind of worship comes. Because worship will come out of us that He's put in us. And it'll just break out because it's there. But then in verse 8, and another angel followed saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city. And so we know that there's going to be a shaking of the Babylonian system. Now, where do we see the Babylonian system in existence today? In the governments of the world. You know, the elite, the governments of the world, that Babylonian. But also, you see it. Somehow it got in, in part of the church. So what's God going to do? He's going to shake and break, mix and mold, and He's going to allow that which is, cannot be shaken to rise up. Now, remember this. We'll come back to this in another day. But then if you go on and read the rest of Revelation 14, verse 9, there'll be two groups of people only. Those who worship the beast, and they'll receive the mark. And then in verse 12... I'm just laying a little groundwork, groundwork for later. There'll be those who have the patience or the steadfastness and the perseverance, the saints, in other words. Those who receive the mark of the beast and the saints who are steadfast and they persevere. And that's why the scripture says, those that endure to the end shall be what? Shall be saved. Okay, let's go back now to the Gospel of John. But let me read this prophecy having set some, uh, some foundation. So Mario Morello, here's what he writes. I'm walking the streets of San Francisco. I snapped this picture and something blasted into my spirit. All that can be shaken, God has made his choice. God has chosen his targets. God will strike suddenly. 2018, the year that everything can, that can be shaken will be shaken. Now again, is this biblical? Absolutely. Everything that can be shaken. Everything. Even the things that you may want to hold on to dear. If it can be shaken, it will be shaken. So that that which cannot be shaken will do what? Remain. It will endure. And that's the believer. 
those that endure to the end. That's how he's going to separate the wheat from the tares, the righteous from the wicked. You know, all of this because the shaking will bring forth. The cream will always rise to the top. When, the, when it's hot in the kitchen, you know, those who can't stand it will get out. But the bakers, the real ones, will stay in there because that's when you got to, that's when you need the, you know, it's only the heat that's going to bring everything to, uh, to its purpose. So anyway, let me read on. So God's going to, and also we got to remember, who is the one doing the shaking? It's not the devil. It's not the devil is not going to get credit for this. God said, I will shake. I will shake everything that can be shaken. So here's what he, go, let me go on. He says, you companies who have used your wealth and power to persecute the righteous will now be shaken. You politicians who have ruined America for decades will suddenly disappear. Is that scriptural? The wicked, suddenly, what does that scripture talk about? You'll look for the wicked and all of a sudden you won't find them anymore. You, now this is good. I'm going to, I'm preaching to myself. You preachers who have handled the word of God deceitfully and you've cheapened the grace to finance your private life of drunkenness, whoredom, and materialism, you, have your, you will have your gift removed in public humiliation. Now, I personally don't see a lot of this because I'm, I'm here in the boondocks. You know, I hear stories when I go to these pastors' conferences. I hear about some of this stuff going on. And, uh, but I'm here, and I'm glad I'm here in the middle of nowhere. But I do know there are some things that I know about. And I'm going to add to what Mario said. Those that have, who have built their ministry on false signs and wonders, God's going to expose it and He's going to turn it upside down. Also, those who have misused God's money. They said they were going to spend it in this way and they didn't spend it in that way. God's going to expose it and make it right. That's just part of what He's doing. Now, some of you say, is God like this? Well, read Romans chapter 12, verse 19. Let me tell you what it says. You, you want to listen? You want to hear? He says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. In the Amplified, it means don't take it out. Basically, don't take it out yourself on somebody. Leave the way for God's wrath to have its way. For as it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. How many of you know that's in the Bible? God's a God of vengeance. I was thinking of that song last week that Cindy and Andy led us in. You know, this is the year of the favor of the Lord. This is the day of the vengeance of our God. That was a real anointed song. It's in the scripture. All right, let's go back to the word. So Mario says, God shook himself. He waited. He was patient. He gave you time to play church. He let you have your blessing toys. He looked away in hopes that we would come to ourselves. His blessing and His goodness did not bring you to repentance. Remember that song, Praise God from Whom All Blessings Flow? Our blessings should have led us to repentance instead of apart and away from Him. He goes on, he says, No, it became a license to go deeper into counterfeit Christianity. The American church is guilty of great crimes against the Holy Spirit. I'm going to talk about that this morning. We're going to repent of this. Maybe just repent from this place to affect the whole nation. I don't know. But he said, we told him to leave. 
and let us grow Christianity Incorporated. The worst thing we could have done. It was a mistake, a terrible, incalculable, ongoing mistake, derailing more truth in less time than any moral plague in history. It's why we couldn't stop Barack Obama. It's why we made no cogent case to save marriage, the unborn, free speech. Why we stood by and watched America change overnight. Why we were helpless to intervene when our nation began hating everything that made her great. He goes on. Trump was only the beginning of the shaking. He is rude. He is offensive by design. His words uproot and tear down. He is a wrecking ball to international corruption. His crudeness is a tool of a, of a God that has a plan. He makes you queasy. He scares you. That's nothing. Just wait till they try to get him out of power. You know why? Because we're praying. And it ain't going to happen. We're praying. We've got 800 people praying. That's why. Oh, how he, his enemies rejoice thinking they've nailed him as a racist. But they will fail for two simple reasons. Number one, he's not a racist. And number two, he's in power by divine decree. Can I just keep reading this? I like Mario. We need more Marios in America again. We need more David Wilkinsons. We need more Leonard Ravenhills. We need more Jonathan Edwards. We need more of those guys. Remember this? Who was it? Jonathan Edwards? Sinners in the hands of an angry God. I can tell you many churches in America, you'd never hear that mentioned. Number one, they don't think God gets angry. All of the scriptures in the Old Testament which talks about God is, He's angry with the wicked every day. They take it out of the book. And they scratched it clean. And they made Him in a God after their own image. Now, he goes on, he says, Watch the most powerful people attack and crumble. Watch liberal heads explode as Trump remains. Not because he is holy or even a good leader, but because he's chosen to wreak havoc on the world system. Why now, you ask? Why has God rolled up his sleeve to root up false ministries? Why is he accelerating his earthquakes? I wondered, I asked. The answer was stunning, but not surprising. Here are the reasons. We are at a moment... When Google, Facebook, Apple, Twitter, along with leftist leaders, will unfurl a cyber iron curtain, Christians will be marginalized. Values that violate our Constitution and freedom of religion will be enforced. Bible preaching will become a hate crime. How sickening. Carnal ministers. Carnal ministers were toadies. Did that come from the Holy Spirit? Toadies? That had to come from Mario. That's the way he interpreted it. In this plan to drive the church underground and terrorize Israel, God sees the midterm elections. Without a miracle, by November, Nancy Pelosi will again be the Speaker of the House. What a plague. We're only months away from a leftist backlash that will transcend anything in our history. And you know this is true. I just heard that Congress, they haven't made it public yet. But Congress has begun to examine some of the things that were going on in the previous administration. And they said they had already set up a KGB-type government. It was already in place. All they needed for is their person to get into power. And God came and turned it all around and flipped up their plans upside down to give us a choice, to give us an opportunity to do the will of God and to see His glory come in America. Anyway... 
God came to the inescapable decision that revival must come now or the nation is lost. He will pour out wrath, but he will also pour out his spirit. Look for little despised churches that are faithfully preaching the word of God to become sinners of God's glory, miracles, and mass conversions. Look for nobodies to come on the scene like a righteous tornado and roar repentance with such power that their voice will echo in the penthouses of power. Look for campus ministries to rise because millennials will see the blatant persecution and turn Christianity into a celebrated cause. Look for preaching to be matched with miracles, confirmation of the word by medically inexplainable healings, massive healings. Look for God to pull out all the stops to save America. Look for every ministry fueled by men and Ishmael to rock, to fall by the wayside to make room for the voices that cannot be shaken. And then he ends this little thing by saying he really felt uncomfortable writing all of this. But then all of a sudden somebody called him and he said, Mario, what's God saying to you? Mario said, what's God saying to you? And he said, what I'm hearing is for this year, God is going to shake everything that can be shaken. And then he published and he sent this word out. Now, I want, to, I want to focus on one thing. Crimes against the Holy Spirit. And later on, we're going to repent from this. But what would you say are the crimes or the sins against the Holy Spirit that the church in America have, may have committed or has committed? Well, first one, misrepresenting? That's, that's in the list. Yes? What was that? Denying the power thereof. That's definitely in the list. That's what, is it Timothy? Yes. Dis, disrespecting the word, that's in the list too. I, I guess you guys are going to hit the list, so if I'm going to preach, I better preach. You're in the, you're, you're reading my notes. Number one was blasphemy. Now I know, all I know about blasphemy is what Jesus said. He said, those that call the works of the Holy Spirit of the devil... It'll not be forgiven. But I, I thought about, I wonder if that also applies calling something that was really of the devil or of the flesh of the Holy Spirit when it never was the Holy Spirit. I don't know if it applies, I'm just saying. But it's one of the crimes we can repent from. And then to grieve the Holy Spirit. How do you grieve the Holy Spirit? Can I give you a little clue? I, we would turn there, but just to save time, I won't. Because I want to get to the end. But Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 through verse 31. Let no evil speech or corrupt speech. Basically, we grieve the Holy Spirit when, we, when the tongue is loosed from under control of the Holy Spirit. And we begin to judge and belittle and betray and kill people with our tongue thinking we've done God a favor. You know what I'm talking about. Does that make sense? We judge. We criticize. And so we grieve the Holy Spirit. And then another sin is to quench the Holy Spirit. To quench, what does that mean? You put it out. You put out. You just put him out. And that happens. And then resist. You Remember what Jesus, no, it was in Acts. He said, you always resist the Holy Spirit just like your fathers did. So do you. You always resist the Holy Spirit. You, what did he say? You stiff-necked and uncircumcised at heart. I remember hearing one, it's been, this is one of the things I heard, that I believe it stuck with me all my life. 
And it went like this. He said, the sin of the Old Testament was the rejection of God the Father. The sin of the New Testament was the rejection of Jesus, or God the Son, Jesus. And he said, the sin of today is the rejection of God the Holy Spirit. The folks that are resisting the Holy Spirit today are the same ones that would have rejected God and would have rejected Jesus. They're rejecting the Holy Spirit. I'll never forget one meeting I was at and this challenge. And it's deep, 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 deep down inside. i got to bring it back out. But he said, always, always honor the Holy Ghost. Always honor the Holy Spirit. Always honor Him. Because He's here. Jesus sent Him. Well, how do we reject the Holy Spirit? These are some other ways. We don't acknowledge Him. We don't wait for Him. We call something of Him that's not. We deny the power. We want Him. Here's one. We want Him without the Word. That's real. I'm not going to get personal, but I remember... Back in the early days, there was a challenge to me to put aside the Word and just go for the Spirit. And I was grieved in my heart. I said, God, that can't be you. That can't be you. It wasn't God. I had an opportunity to forsake the Holy Spirit. Listen, Jesus is looking for those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. The Spirit moves on the Word. The Word, the truth, they go together. And then there's another crime, and I think that's leaving out His first name. Holy. He's holy. He's holy. And I can tell you that applies in many places. People think, you know, they can get all the benefits of the Spirit without holiness. Yeah, God's going to shake that kind of stuff up. And I would say you might want to get out of the way or just get in the fire early because he said, I counsel to you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. So just go ahead, just jump in the fire. Heed the counsel of the Lord, and that way you will come out as a bride without spot and blemish, as you know, the stones, the treasures that are made righteous and ready for the Lamb that's coming. Amen. Is anybody with me? All right, now go to John chapter 16. Now, I'm out here on the limb, so you guys are going to have to help me out here. All right? I'm going for this stuff. At the end, we're going to repent and ask God to forgive us for the crimes against the Holy Spirit. And the sin, the controversy that God has with His church today in America. There's so much that we call of God that never was God. You can't find it. It's not there. It never will be. Yet we've made Him and we've made His gifts after our own image. Many of His gifts have become idols. And He's the giver of the gift. And He distributes as He will. But look in John chapter 16 and verse 5. But now I'm going away, Jesus says, to Him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, 
Here's three more things that he does. Number one, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment. And then Jesus explains what this means. Of sin because they do not believe in me. No one can come to the Father unless the Son draws him. And so he has to again convict America of unbelief in him, in Jesus. So we're praying, God, do that. You're the only one that can convict the lost. The hardest of the hard, the leftest of the left. God still loves them. He died for them. And the Holy Spirit can convict of sin. And then he goes on, of righteousness, because I go to my Father. And that's because Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father. Now, he did that, right? Is he there? But who's on the earth? The Holy Spirit. Okay, so he sent the Holy Spirit. It's to your advantage. And then of judgment. Now, this judgment is not the judgment that's coming that we read about in Revelation. This is that the ruler of this world is judged. That Satan, sickness, disease has already been judged by the 39 stripes and by because of the word. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth and he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me and he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. So let's just look at this and review real quick. He will help you. He's the helper. He will teach you how many things? All things. I don't know that Etienne shared this when he was here, but he shared this with me. He was invited to speak to a group of businessmen on some subject. He had no knowledge. He couldn't even pass a kindergarten test if he took a test, kindergarten level. And did he tell that story? Do you remember that? He told us somewhere. And so he felt like he's supposed to accept the invitation. He didn't know anything about their subject. They wanted him. First of all, it shocked him. Why do you want me, a preacher, to come address you, businessmen, and this quantum physics stuff? I don't know what it is. I don't even know anything about it. I can't even spell it. So anyway, you know where he went to get his information. He went to the teacher. And he just cried out to God, Holy Spirit, teach me. These guys, I've, you led me. I know you led me. When he finished that seminar, the businessmen were in amaze. They were in awe. They said they've never heard things like this before. They said, would you come back next year? He said, well, I'll check from above to see if I'm supposed to come back. I don't know. But let me tell you, he will teach you all things. I don't understand, but I'm telling you, people are going to get ideas in this day that's going to blow the world out of the saddle. Blow the world away because God gave them that idea. God gave them that plan. So he'll teach you all things. Then he'll remember or he'll bring all things to your remembrance. And then in chapter 16, verse 13, he will guide you into all truth. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. We need to test the spirits to see if they are of God. And then he will tell you things to come. And if you look back in John chapter 14, there are two things that are coming that Jesus talks about. And we'll just briefly mention. First of all, he says, I'm coming. I'm coming again. How many of you know that? He's coming. And we got to make a way, prepare the way for his coming. But he also, he says that the ruler, in verse 30 of chapter 14, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. Now that's part of the story. The ruler of this world is coming. Now, he has only a short time 
But great is his wrath. And that's what the scriptures teach. But Jesus said, he has nothing in me. How are you going to overcome the ruler of this world? Don't let anything get in you. Except the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the love of God. Be filled. Walk in righteousness. Walk in holiness. He'll find nothing in you as well. And then he'll glorify. The Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus. And then he will declare of what is his. Declare it to us. In other words, what America needs is a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit. Now, how's the church to relate to the Holy Spirit? I can tell you this is one of the, the high marks of my life. In that day, I grew up not even knowing there was a Holy Spirit. You remember that scripture? We ain't even heard there was a Holy Spirit. I knew about the Holy Spirit in dwelling and all of this. I didn't know about him coming upon you. That was a whole new level. And I'll never forget the day bowing down and, and saying, oh, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. I'll never forget that. But let me, let me, I'm getting ahead of myself. How are we to relate? Well, first of all, chapter 16 and verse 13, we must hear. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. So we must hear the Holy Spirit. We got to hear his voice. How many of you know the Holy Spirit talks? He talks. He speaks. Now he speaks through people. He speaks through the word. He speaks through circumstances. But he speaks. He's a divine person. So we got to hear what he has to say. And then we have to walk in the spirit. What does Galatians say about walking? If you walk in the spirit, you'll not do what? Fulfill the lusts of the flesh. This is the, this is the key to overcoming what we're going to talk about Thursday night, the attack of pornography, is to walk in the Spirit. That series is going to give us the truth. It's going, to, it's going to be powerful. But it's by walking in the Spirit that we stay free. And we must do that. And then not only walk in the Spirit, but we must be led by the Spirit. Those that are led by the Spirit are the what? They're the sons of God. To be led by the Spirit, what must you do? Think about it. You got to wait till you hear and then follow. You got to follow. To be led, you must follow. Jesus was, now this was good, remember. Now, not everywhere he leads you is somewhere you necessarily would want to go. Can you give me any scripture on that? Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil for 40 days. He went on a real fast. It wasn't a one meal a day thing. 40 days, no food, tempted by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. The devil threw everything that hell in hell's arsenal against him. But he overcame. He said, it is written. You know, and then that's when he came out and the Spirit of God was upon him and his ministry was launched. He said, I'm anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. And then he goes forth. So the, the Lord may lead you in a time of a wilderness experience. But what is the wilderness for? To get you ready for what you're made for. God makes and molds the greatest of prophets in the wilderness when no one else is there. Amen? If nobody else is listening, I'm listening. I'm going to have to listen to this again. Because i got to hear it too. And then be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. What's that talking about? It could be literal. And in some circles, it should be literal. Don't be drunk with wine if you're going to claim to walk as a man or a woman of God. 
But it also, we know it means the wine of the world, right? Don't be overwhelmed by the world, the wine that the world, but be filled with the Spirit. And then another way we have to pray in the Spirit. I don't know that I could ever preach again unless I'm praying in the Spirit for a couple hours. It's just, it's not going to happen. Because I'm just not going to trust myself. I got to have, you got to, you got to have the Holy Spirit. So I'm praying. We got to pray in the Spirit. And then have an encounter with the Spirit. Now, I've shared with you, my experience was not that dramatic. I bet a bunch of you, you could tell us your experience was very dramatic. You know, this was like amazing. But I do remember the story of D.L. Moody. You guys know how he was filled with the Spirit? There were some little ladies in his church, and they began to pray for him. You know, D.L. Moody was an okay preacher, but they began to pray. God, get a hold of him. Get a hold. Send the fire. God, send the Holy Ghost. That's pro they probably used that word in those days. Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. You know, they told me to say Holy Spirit because they said Holy Ghost will scare folks. But that, the people that told me that are the folks that didn't even believe in the Holy Ghost. You know what I'm talking about? They didn't believe in the gifts. They told me they didn't exist. They told me, some of them told me they were of the devil. How many of you were there? You were in those crowds. I'm glad God has a lot of mercy. I'm glad I don't fully understand the blasphemy part. I don't fully, because God, when I was ignorant, I did not know. You know, you know what I mean? Some things we do, out of, we're just stupid. We're ignorant. Thank God you woke me up. But anyway, deal me. There were these little ladies praying, God, get him, get him, fill him with the Holy Spirit, God. So anyway, he's walking down Fifth Avenue in New York City and he's crying out to God. God, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me. And he said, all of a sudden, the power of God came upon him in such way that it was like waves of a liquid electricity. And he fell to the ground under the hand of God. And he said, the joy of the Lord is like waves of joy were flowing through his, his innermost being. And he had, it was such joy, such electricity, power, he had to literally say, God, stay your hand from me, lest I die from all this joy. And then he got up. God evidently let him up a little bit. He let him up. He goes into, he found a friend that let him go into a room and he began to record all the things that God was saying and doing. And he had encounter with God after encounter. And then he came out. He was a totally different man. And we get to read his testimony today. But there are many of you that had testimonies like that. How many of you have had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that was really pretty major, radical, you know what I mean? Some of you have. How many of you found it was more of a progressive type thing? Where you prayed by faith, and you received by faith, but then the evidence started showing up down the road. Some of you, that's the way I was. That day, when I said, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Nothing happened. Nothing. I was looking for, I was looking for the stars. I'm looking for something major. You know, like a hand to come out of heaven or something. Nothing, I thought. It's just because I couldn't see it. It came out of heaven. Because then I started seeing all the stuff happen, you know, down the road. And uh, some things, it took a little while. I've told you how I spoke in tongues, right? You guys remember that story? I'll tell it again. I was brought up. They said that wasn't of God. I said, you know, you don't want to do that, man. That's of the devil. So anyway, I had this thing in my mind. You know what I mean? So I go to this thing. It's a pastor's gathering. 
at Wheaton College, because I used to go up there, because Billy Graham went there, and I just liked all that stuff. Anyway, I'm up there, and I'm minding my own business, sleeping. And my roommate is a Church of Christ pastor. And we wake up in the morning, he says, David, I didn't know you speak in tongues. I look, I said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I don't speak, what are you talking about? I don't speak in tongues. He said, you were speaking in tongues all night. All night in your sleep. I could not sleep a wink. You couldn't, you wouldn't stop praying in tongues. I said, really? This is cool. This is good. That was it. I was hooked, line, sinker. You, I don't care. The, you could get 1,000 of the highest theologians from the church of whatever telling me this stuff's not of God. I'd say, you crazy. First of all, it ain't just because I experienced it, because I read it in the book. And I experienced it. And I ain't backing off of that. Well, here's what we need. John chapter 20. Go to John 20. I'm, I'm going to wrap this up because we need to repent and then we need to pray. And I'm not just, I'm not just doing this just because this is the next thing that came to my mind. I believe God wants to do it. I believe he, he said, this day, this will be fulfilled in your hearing. So I'm walking out on a limb. Anyway, John chapter 20, verse 19. Look what happens. It's probably going to happen like this in some ways in our day. Verse 19, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled. Now, they were not having an assembly, you know, of the apostolic teaching at this point. They were assembled because they were scared to death of what was going to happen to them. That's what it said, for fear of the Jews. And then all of a sudden things change. What happened? Jesus came and stood in their midst and he said to them, peace with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them, peace to you as the Father sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. And he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he said, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. So there are four things that happen. Number one, in the midst of their fear, in the midst of the troubled times in which they were living, Jesus showed up and with Jesus came great peace. Peace I give unto you. I'm telling you, we're going to walk in, I don't know all that's going to happen. I'm believing for America to get radically saved. I'm just staying on that camp, okay? I'm believing. But chances are, there's going to be some folks follow the beast. You know what I'm talking about? Because it's in the book. So I've got to learn how to deal with these folks. And we've got to learn how to walk in love and preach the everlasting gospel, withstanding the mark of the beast, all this stuff. I don't know. I just know just enough to be dangerous. That's all I know. But I know there's going to be peace in the midst of this thing. We're going to walk in great peace. Unbelievable peace. It's going to drive the devil crazy. The peace of God that's in the church. Because he, he gave it to us. And then they had a change of perspective. Their fear from the Jews changed to great joy. Joy unspeakable, unspeakable and full of glory. We're going to have joy. I prophesy that over you. You're going to be full of the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. 
The devil will really get upset when you have joy. I'm telling you, it's not this joy that's laughing, smiling. It's joy. It's an expectation inside of you that God is greater than what you're going through. Something that's there. You, the devil can't put it out. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The joy. The joy. But it, it's also going to erupt. And I've often wanted that. God just erupt in holy laughter. I mean, that would be fine with me. But we don't want to stay there. We want to get up and do the will of God. It's just like, you know, falling out in the spirit. It's okay, but you don't want to stay there. You want to get up and get in the world. The world needs us. We've got to do. We've got to be about our Father's bidding. You think about it. America's lined up in two groups. Those who are doing the deeds of their father, the devil. Because he knows his time is short. So they're revving it up. And the church is about doing the deeds of their father, God. Amen? One of the, it's going to be one of the other. That's the way it says at the end. Either they'll those who will worship the beast, or there will be those that worship God with all their heart. All their might. And they're going to be walking in power and authority. And, un, and then he goes on. So he gives peace. He changes their perspective. And then he gives them purpose. And that you can see in verse 23. And we won't get into all that that means at this time. But he gave them purpose. They were, and the purpose was to forgive sin. And it's the purpose he came. And then he, they gave them a new power because he breathed on them. And when he breathed on them, they received the Holy Spirit. 